Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online, your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, plus your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. Head to betonline.ag or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA will be available at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants beginning on Thursday, August 31st. Visit funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Visit the website in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Uh, we are joined from on location by former Penn State running back, one of the most prolific Penn State running backs of all time, by the way, fourth all time in rushing, Tony Hunt, who before we even started recording was dropping some knowledge on us from the baseball field. He's out there supporting his sons. So Tony, help me out. Are you are you just there as a supporter of your kid, or are you coaching? Like, what are you doing? I'm coaching. I'm playing. I'm, I never played baseball in my life, so, like, I've just been disappointed that nobody introduced me to that game. I remember at Penn State, I was a bigger back, but I was also – I led the team in receiving. I was on hands team. That's nothing but a ground ball. I never realized that. If you don't put a kid on the field, see if he can swing that bat, see if he can pitch, see if he can field a ground ball – you know, like you said, Penn State great running backs, DJ Dozier, he's another one that got drafted in MLB. And, and you know, people don't talk about that. We forget that. In the African-American community, we have abandoned baseball. You know, the baseball diamonds, the dirt is, is ruined. I've had to sit here and drag this field, you know, for the entire winter to try to maintain it for my kids. But, you know, that that's just the game. We, we don't have so much exposure to this game, but if you if you give me a kid that has hand-eye coordination, let me put him in everything. I threw the discus in high school for two months. You know, I didn't even throw the whole season, and I came in third in the state. So I just feel like I left a lot of athleticism on the table. Uh, Tony, we could go on and on about baseball versus football and a million other sports for sure. I, I do, before we go too much further, because I do want to get into all this stuff, uh, I would love to get your take on Penn State's two-headed monster right now at running back. In your opinion, how special is Nick Singleton? How special is Catron Allen? Man, that's a tough question. I, I think Singleton is special. I think Allen is special, but I don't like running back by committee. Like me having to really take that position on full time, I had to grow. I became a man. 
You know, you got to look in the mirror, it, blocking linebackers, running, getting the hard yards. So this whole running back by committee thing is a lot to do with the state of the running back position, you know, and where it's at right now. Because why? Why stick with a guy when I can just draft a guy out of high school, you know, out of college, the short yardage back? I can get another guy who can receive out the backfield and then I'll get a full back running back tweener to just pass protect. You know, so the running back by committee, I don't think it allows backs to mature into the back that they could become. You know, I took my lumps at Penn State at some points when we had a weaker team. I remember taking 30, 35 carries and I don't know if I was ready for it, but it, it helped me. You know, early on, I had a few fumbles. I had to learn how to, you know, really stay strong in the fourth quarter, focusing on the football. It wasn't just a, OK, what can he do well? I'll put him in that situation and then keep him out of the rest of that. I'm not a fan of the, you know, running back by committee. I'm not a big fan. That's a, that's a great point because like, I think Tony was like the, one of the last of the dying breeds of the, of the would say, like the bell cow running backs, right? Where you just you give him the ball to the backfield between the tackles, a pitch, uh, all the different type of things, and just being able to even have a four-minute offense, right? We talk about the way that the offenses right. have progressed to being more uh, horizontal, right? Swing passes, getting running backs out of the backfield. Like, I remember growing up, I used to have a problem with mean, we got the four minute. It was like, oh, Tone was doing everything. So, like, in my mind, like, he was the last running back. Where it's like, no, he blocks. He runs between the tackles. He can make big runs. And when it comes down to four minute, that's when he's going to make other people quit. Like, I still joke with my friends that we played against Tennessee against that game. And since that time, the way that the offense has opened up to the way that Tony was mentioning earlier and the saturation at the running back position was like, all right, like, who's going to separate themselves to be able to do all these different things or – just put them in different positions. They'd be like, okay, he's got a home run guy here. We got a short yardage back here. And like coming from Tony's, Tony Hunt's perspective, it's like, wait, I had to do all these things, right? So it's, uh, there's a level Everything. of having a maturity in your game to be able to do all these different things. That's a great point. Right. And, and to a degree, there's – and I, I don't say this to be rude, but a lot of backs I don't have as much respect for as some guys do. Um, stats are to be looked at. You, you got to know what you're looking at. So I look at it just like baseball. Like, we're not swinging for the fence every play. You got a runner on third, you're down one. Can you give me a base hit? So I look at some backs like that. They could give you five yards of carry, but they're balancing that out with a 50-yard run. It's fourth quarter. We're up three. We need a first down. Can you do it? Can you do it? So I remember my junior year, I was a really – I was a really humble guy. I was just running hard. I loved running. I ran hard. I was doing what I did. So I wasn't, it wasn't scripted. And I just remember Michael Robinson always saying, oh, Tony's the glue. Tony's the glue. Tony's the glue. And now I'm 37 and I understand, hey, he got a six point lead and he didn't have to throw the ball in the, in the air anymore. He didn't have to worry about a late turnover in a game and blowing a lead. So even when I saw how state, Penn State a few years, I never forgot this. I'll never forgive Franklin. You're up what, 17-6 or 17 nothing to Ohio State, you got a Heisman running back and you couldn't get into your four-minute offense? We're going to our four-minute offense. I don't care, third quarter. It don't have to be four minutes. We're going into it. And, I mean, I remember some games, I'd just be running the ball. It's early fourth quarter. Fourth just started. Then you look up, damn, there's two minutes left in the fourth. They scared. They kind of holding their timeouts. You put them in a, in a chess position. So, as a running back, even though I was not a guy that studied film, I had a really good understanding for that. I was trying to soften up in between the tackles. I ain't one outside. I ain't one outside early. I'm, I'm trying to wear out. And I knew my job. So some backs don't know their job. And you could give me a big run, but the defense still coming. I got to wear you out. I got to make you not want to get in front of me. 
That's a great point. And to mention that Ohio State game to just give some back uh, behind the curtains like news, not but even like that was an internal argument back then, whether it was like how we finish games in terms of like a run and gun type of offense where we pass pass more horizontally versus, you know, putting our heads down and running the ball. And we talked about it earlier on the podcast when we had like talk about depth issues and like the upfront aspects of coming out of the sanctions. There was just certain depth positions where it was like our position. Like the way that the offense operated, someone like Joe Mo and different things of that nature had a philosophical approach where the four-minute offense, we're going to do what we do best, which is pass. And But I'm completely with you, and that's why you kind of seen, I think, the shift and even a level of comfortability in the ability to get back into a four-minute offense with somebody like a Katron Allen or even like a Nick Singleton that run, runs physical that can pop runs later at the end of the game so where you can cement those those games in the last four minutes and take some pressure off of somebody like a drew Aller that's coming in for his first start in your season i mean that's, that's a great point to make and it just goes into how important it is from an offensive philosophical approach and mentality of the type of guys that you're talking about because everything that tony's speaking on is a mentality check it's like it's a feel for a game it's a mono mono type of situation and a lot of times we get into the conversation of skill back skilled backs and all these different things and we've been blessed with saquon miles and all these different you know high flying home run hitting running backs but we talk about mature running back zero to five like that is a gritty nasty position that you have to be able to look guys eye in the eye and and bring it every single time and it's interesting because i think those that's what makes the two running backs at penn state with the long boys a little interesting because they both have that dynamic trait and that level of toughness but with that I mean, the offensive line is also um, coming into their own. So, like, that brings back that more physicality in the run attack. So, I, I appreciate you for pointing that out, Tom. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'm greedy. So, like, I'll never be satisfied with football now. Like, I, I want to see Allen and Singleton get 20 carries apiece. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I, I miss those. Just line up and run. You don't know what those dudes are going to start doing on carry 20 when the defense – all of my long runs were late in the game. I couldn't outrun anybody. I couldn't just line up and outrun you. But after I ran you over a couple of times, you, you know, I, I would rewind my film now and show my brother like, man, my hips weren't that loose. I didn't shake him. He didn't want to be in front of me. So, like, you know, I, I, it comes right back to baseball. Right now in baseball, you got a lot of guys hitting pop-ups. And I tell my son, hit a line drive right at him. Hit a line drive right at him. Scare the hell out of him. And he's not going to want to play baseball anymore. I got to run you over to where you don't want to really be on the field. And I'm, I had coaches that would get mad at me like, hey, Tone, you know, you might could have made a move on. No, nah, I wanted contact early. It's like a boxing match. I need to hit him early. I got to hit him. I got to let him feel this fist. I got I to gotta jump in because my first year when I transitioned the corner at Penn State from playing, you know, my freshman year, I was playing offense and defense, playing back and forth. Then I went full-time uh, defense. And I was going to my sophomore year. And I want to say that was Tony's, that was Tony's junior, junior year in I mean, obviously we had like a live scrimmage and I was, we're going down the goal line and Tone had that situation where he ran me over and I, I had to bring that up because it was my intro to like tackling him on offense, on defense full time. And I just remember like, man, like, man, bro, we, we supposed to be cool. Like you really tried to take me <laughs> out there. But like that I was had. the mentality of what she played, like for real. So that, I, remember, I mean, it was all I had. Yeah. It was all I had. I couldn't outrun you, so I always Justin. Those dudes can outrun me by forty meters in a hundred yard dash. I'm talking; he could run a full circle around me. So, <laughs> if you were to look at me as a player, how did he finish second time at Penn State all time? How? 
because it had nothing to do with speed. It's a mentality. I train my kids psyche. I train their psyche. When I smack you with a baseball and hit you in the mouth, get right back in there. I'm hitting another one right at you. And if I can make you tougher than anybody, then you're going to be better. So it's not about skill for me. I remember talking to my boy Ed Johnson, and we talked about it, and we were talking football, like what's the first things you're going to teach your son? What's the first? And everybody has these different approaches. They have all these. And I'm like, the, I'm going to teach them how to play hard. That's what I'm going to teach them first. Teach them how to play hard. And Tony, they can go and jump in any sport and, you know, learn it and you play hard. Tony, that mentality was embodied in your post-game interview after the 2007 Outback Bowl against Tennessee, which still Penn State fans talk about to this day. Looking back on that, it was very much that SEC versus the Big Ten. The SEC is the greatest conference in college football, and it's harder and harder to argue that as time goes by, especially in 2023. But that mentality, do you think that's started to come back around in college football? Because I look at the Georgias, the Alabamas, hell, Michigan, Penn State, the teams that are having success are getting back to that hard-headed, run-the-football, north-south mentality. When I watch football right now and I look at these, you know, three, four defenses with these 205-pound linebackers, I'm like, oh, my God, I wish I could get 30 carries against that defense. <laughs> They're not facing bare fronts right now. They're not facing the linebackers I play. I played against linebackers who probably would get exposed in today's game in coverage. Yes, they would, but they were A-gap pluggers. That's what we played against, A-gap plug, and they could bring it. You know, guys were trying to hit you and hurt you, and now you got a lot of arm tap. Arm tackling, what my dad used to like, my dad used to get on my case about arm tackling. Like, man, you got to bring your hips. And, and now I, I just see the softness in defense. So coverage is great, but if somebody really commits to a physical run game, I think they could just, you know, just like Derrick Henry in the NFL. Nobody wants to tackle him. Nobody wants to tackle these guys now. These, look, Isaiah Simmons, I'm a big fan of him, you know, at linebacker. and at, But that's an experiment. That boy don't want physicality. If I had to play against him, I would run straight at him. Run straight at him. And it's funny you say that because Michigan essentially built their program around that. It was like, look, everybody's kind of building a horizontal thing. We're going to go big up front, downhill linebackers, no zone reads. We're going to just come and live or die. And they built like a whole recruiting class for like four or five years around that. It was like, hey, this is our right. identity. Like, I respect all programs that believe in something and build around that. If you commit to it, I think it works. But the only thing that kills is just these high-powered offense. They can put so many points on the board so quick. Absolutely. So, you know, at the end of the day, especially at the NFL level, you know, not to jump around too much, but we talk about, you know, backs being underpaid. And with everything being said, with my opinion, with me being a back, I love running backs. If I'm a GM, would I pay a back? No, not at all. You know, if, if it's me, I beef them up. I told my brother I'm a Viking fan, and when AP had 2,000, I said, we need to trade him because it's downhill from here. I know, I know the feeling of a back, and at the end of a great season, you don't really feel good. The next season, it, you don't, it, it's, it's going to decline soon. Your legs are going to go. A back's best years might be around senior year of high school <laughs> through sophomore year of college, man, when they're really bouncy and, you know, hopping around. Tony, to that point, you know, we were just talking about Michigan and there was a quote that came out this week from uh, Blake Corum starting running back for the Michigan Wolverines. And he said, quote, if you come here to Michigan and if you're successful, you have a good chance of making a good amount of money through NIL benefits. NIL doesn't matter at Michigan. That's why we're out here uh, not paying high school athletes. 
and NIL has become a huge conversation. In fact, it's a huge part of recruiting and scouting at this point in time. However, it's one thing to say that when you're a commodity and another thing to say that when you're the kid trying to make something for themselves and for their family. What's your opinion on NIL nowadays? I love the NIL. I mean, especially like with speaking of running backs, it's the only thing that's going to save some of these backs that they will get paid for their years in college, like a Blake, you know, ACL injury during a Heisman year. Luckily he's getting paid for that now. Luckily he's capitalized on some of that now. So I definitely think the NIL is something that's going to need, it's going to take some time to kind of balance out, you know, for things to get situated. Uh, But I can't be mad at kids getting their money. I just can't. Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, check out Smack Apparel and see what their team has geared up for football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for all those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee for all the Ohio State haters out there. Smack Apparel has the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro and college football, plus basketball, baseball, every fan is covered. Head over to smackapparel.com and use the promo code STATE10, that's S-T-A-T-E-1-0, at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10, at checkout. Why we're boring when you can wear smack. Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels and pomades. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. Justin, as you look at the evolution of the running back position, you and I have talked at nauseum about Nick Singleton and K. Trinell and what makes them unique, what makes them different. Hell, the two of them combined nearly had 2,000 yards rushing last season, and there were games where one of them would maybe get 10 carries. And I think back to that aforementioned 07 Outback Bowl against Tennessee, Tony had 31 carries that day. There's only a handful of schools that do that anymore. Michigan is one of them. Wisconsin comes to mind. Uh, even Iowa sometimes, Michigan State, you know, all those Big Ten schools especially. Uh, do you think that would make sense for this offense to see guys like Singleton and Allen get 20 carries a game? I mean, it's, it's it's like loading up your workhorses, right? I think with having two of them, I mean, 15-plus carries for each, I think, is a, a legitimate um, target. I mean, whether mm-hmm. it's them catching the ball at the backfield, going down, running the ball downhill, I would love to see that. I think there's a, there's something to having running backs that are versatile and do all those different things, but from an attitude-setting standpoint on your offense, like that is what you build it around. And, like, they bring – a nice one-two punch where they're both physical runners and both can break big runs. But I think just mix it in with a balanced attack where it's not so lopsided and pass pass happy and more of a finesse offense. I think there's a level of they get to bring in a personality of physicality to the offense. And I think that aspect comes with feeding them the ball. And to that point, Drew Aller, 
big time hyped up five star quarterback is going to be we expect to be starting his first season this year. Tony, you have a similar experience in that you were the starting running back when big time hyped up recruit Anthony Morelli was the starting quarterback. That didn't really work out the way a lot of people expected for Morelli. What's maybe some words of wisdom that you could offer to the lawn boys now for Penn State? Um, as far as the Morelli situation, like lean on your backs, lean on your backs. Like you were talking about right now. And then just play, play defense with your offense. Keep teams off the field. You know, quarterbacks, they they don't like sitting. They don't like sitting, getting cold. You know, they like to stay out there. Sit them down, man. Slow it down and grind it out. I just think that's better. It's easier said than done because I can give you these pieces but like i said it's a mentality so i don't think the mentality's there to commit to the run it's like they're just running just to keep the pass game honest that i i need to see a commitment to run joe was committed to run he we're gonna run until you stop it he didn't care there was a you know he wanted to out tough you it's a mentality and when the mentality's not there i can give you the pieces but it's just not there. You know, I remember playing with uh, – I played in the Senior Bowl with the uh, Tampa Bay's coach, Chucky, red hair guy. John Gruden. Gruden. And Gruden was – man, I loved I loved Gruden. You know, playing in the game, he came out hype. He like, Hunt, we love you, man. We're going to run you all game. And I'm like, yeah. So we come out. It's third and 23. He like, yo, we want HB draw. I'm like, what? You know, as a running back, if you get a draw on third and 20, I love you. You must trust me. You love me. And I got 24 yards on the carry. So your dogs, throw them a bone and see what they do for you. You don't even know what they got in the tank, man, until you really let them hounds go. You got to let them go. And Joe, like, I mean, Jay King was there off seasons. I used to have a rough time with certain things. And I feel like they just used to pick on me all off season just so they could unleash me. Just unleash me mad during the year. Joe was so into the psyche of a young man. He understood me and he... He played with it, you know, but then he would cut me loose. Had to go get had to go get Tony out of VA a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> we need him. No, no, we gotta go get him. Go get him. Yep. <laughs> Joe, no, like, I mean, nah, a... he mad. Go get him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's ready right now. Tony, in your recruitment to Penn State, the lineage of great Nittany Lion running backs had already been laid out. And as I was saying when we got started here, your fourth all-time, fifth is Blair Thomas, third is Kurt Warner, second is Saquon Barkley, first is Evan Royster. And the, the game has changed because you see guys play less and less seasons, the chance to go to the NFL faster, so guys rack up yards. But still, that is some elite company that you're in, and there were some elite guys that came before you. Did that influence you uh, in your recruitment to Penn State? Um... Honestly, my athletic director is Larry Johnson's brother. So Penn State was in my high school. But my high school coach was Ricky Ellison, who played linebacker for the 49ers in the 1980s. So when he came in, USC offered me really quick. Michigan offered me. I I knew I wanted to go Big Ten. I knew what kind of back I was. And I was more leaning towards Michigan. At the time, they had a... uh, who was the running back at the time? I'm not sure, but I saw him get 50 carries in a game. And I'm like, yeah, if you you show me you give a back 50 carries, man, I, I love you. 
And uh, but then I went to Penn State. They were playing Northwestern. And I remember just being up close, looking at Larry Johnson. I watched him warm up. I stole his warm up stretch and took it home and did it that week for my next game. and had like 230 yards. So just sitting there watching him and Joe gave him like 28 carries in the first half. You know, it, it was like the Larry show. Joe had no problem feeding the back. So when I saw that and I saw how big he was, like I was worried about getting moved to linebacker the day I walked in campus. And Joe liked big backs, so that was it for me. And looking at the lineage, you got Kurt Enos, you got DJ Dote, a lot of six foot one plus two hundred and thirty plus backs. I, that was it for me. Man, oh man, was that Anthony? Was that the A train at Michigan at the time? I'm blanking. No, it was right after A train. It's, it's Chris Perry, right? Chris Perry, oh, baby. Oh, yes, Perry, he was that. nasty. Yes, I loved Chris Perry. Oh. Even uh, Noah Haran from Northwestern, he was a, you know, the Big Ten. I knew I was a Big Ten back. I remember going to USC versus Notre Dame on my recruiting visit, and they had Sultan McCullough, Herschel Dennis, you know, a bunch of 5'10", 180 guys. And I'm like, nah, I know the mentality. Just like you guys, if you're playing Madden on franchise mode, you see a 6'2", 230 coming out of high school like me, and you're like, man, that's a hell of a receiver at fullback out the backfield. You just move him right to fullback or have a fast linebacker. So I knew that. I was watching out for that. I needed to see a room with 230-plus in it or I wasn't going. God. That's a great Jeff. thing of representation, even going for, for listeners or going through the recruiting process, man. Look at this. See, see how they're building their roster and see if you see yourself oh, in the other be players. Be true to yourself. Coming, be come, true to yourself. There. Yes, sir. You got to know what you are. Be true to yourself. Like, there's some little things I wish I looked at more. If you're a kid that likes powerlifting, go to a school that powerlifts. If you're a kid, you know, like, I knew I needed more focus on 40-yard dash training. That's not something we did so much at Penn State. So that didn't help me so much. Jay King was running four threes when he came in. You know, it, <laughs> that wasn't a thing for him. So, you know, I, I just think having – having a frame of mind of really looking and, and looking at the game and where it's going as a player. I was 6'2", 230, and I think I was lying to myself. I loved running back, but if you look at the evolution of the game, I, you're a fullback, buddy. You're a mismatch out the backfield. You're a fullback, you know, and I took that as such an insult that I got mad and went through that. When in reality, you know, like I said, I'm 37 now, more mature. Would I have done that to myself? Yes. Yes, I would have. So, you know, when you take your personal feelings out of the game and you really sit down and look at it, you know, you can really see these. The writing's on the wall. This whole running back deal has been happening for a long time now. Yeah, Tony, to that point, we were talking about the, the current situation in the National Football League regarding the running back position as a whole. It's a, it just seems extremely difficult the way that the, the rookie contracts are structured, et cetera. So some of these guys like Saquon and you mentioned Adrian Peterson, you're going to get paid out of the gate. But then by that, that third, fourth year, your body could potentially start wearing down. And you're like, man, I'd like to get that, that even bigger money deal and take care of my family, that generational wealth, that opportunity to really be paid what you're worth. And a lot of teams for a long time now have been shying away from that. Is there a fix for this? Baseball glove. I, like I said, the saturation, it, it's not just – and it's not even just. I don't see any undervalue in a running back. We need you. We need you in pass protection. We need you receiving. We need you in the tough yards. But I can get one of you in the fourth round next year. So as long as I can get one in the fourth round that can come right in and play as a rookie, 
why am I going to pay you? Why? And so the problem, no, that the saturation at the running back position, I can get one from anywhere. Any university, every every university is going to have a back, not a quarterback. I can't start going D2 and drafting. I can't put the, you know, that's kind of tricky. But running back, no, I can find one. I don't even have to. I, I can just wait in the draft. I don't worry. I worry about that in the second round. I'm not even really looking. That's true. The usage of running backs, even in college, I know we when we think about Alabama and the different receivers that they put in the league, that's been a focus. But look at the running backs and you just look at the ratios that they used to play on their offensive side of the game. They were a 60-40 running the ball team, even if they had a running back by committee, like they believed in the running backs, whether they were physical, big, I mean, Heisman Trophy winners all through and through, but I mean, obviously to focus on their receivers, but that's another program that kind of built their identity around the running backs, like, and had success. Justin, you've been you've been a player, obviously, but you've you've been on the office side of things on in, in multiple levels of football. Uh, to the question I was just asking, Tony, is there a way to correct this from that side of the fence? Oh, uh, I mean, from the team building side of the fence, I, I, I think Tony hit it on the head. Like, if I'm being completely honest, is you have to figure out where your leverage is and lean into that, right? So, like, what he's saying is like playing another sport, moving up, but like from the actual team standpoint, I mean, you want to make yourself as versatile as possible. But like the saturation of the market is supply and demand. Like Tony said, like there's a lot of running backs. Like before we got on the show, you go to every neighborhood in America, there's a there's a running back legend that didn't make it out. That was probably better than the one that did make it out. And so we just talk about all these guys that get into the fold and you see more running back by committee. I don't know if there's a a way to fix it because it benefits the team. Like since the new CBA and everything, like from a team standpoint, I don't have to pay a running back $20 million a year because I can find one comfortably like there's not too many running backs that can hold me hostage unless they're bringing a love another level dynamic to my offense that changes my win shares and all those different things so i mean it's to the team's advantage so it really the, the real answer is like what running backs ever unify to have like a united stance against what's going on to demand something else i don't know if they have the leverage to do that now there is the nfl proven performance escalator uh the ppe you know, clause, however you want to describe it. Is that something that you think we could see utilized more in the near future now that this outcry has come out? You could you could see it, but at the same time, the rest of the players probably have to agree to forfeit their player performance bonus. There's a lot of <clears throat> there's a lot of right. offensive linemen, defensive backs, middle linebackers that get uh, that go undrafted or get drafted in the sixth, seventh round that deserve that money as well. So like there's a level of coming together as a union and making the demands built for the future and not just the immediate future. And I mean, player performance bonuses still do nothing for the short lifespan of a running back. I'm, that's still a day-to-day contract as far as I'm concerned. So I got to put up or I don't get paid, but Justin Herbert just got $268 million. I can't even hang out with that man. Saquon <laughs> Barkley's a top back. <laughs> he can't hang out, you know, with the guys who are top players. He, his bank account set up different. He can't hang with them guys, man. <laughs> And that's unfortunate. You're you're one of the biggest names in sports in this world, but you can't hang out with your counterparts because they got too much more money than you. You might want to ask them for a job. The left tackle is the next day you come in. It's like the guy blocking for you. Like, hey, we value you. Like, but right. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, that's the part that's confusing to me. All right, we value offensive linemen. I mean, if I get 20 carries a game, the other 40 plays, I'm an offensive lineman. So a running back is offensive lineman. I protect the quarterback. If I don't protect the quarterback, he's getting hit. I am just as important in this offense as an offensive lineman. 
Now that's a that's a different argument I haven't heard yet. Like where like I protect. I don't see how <laughs> I had linebackers running down my throat. So I, <laughs> if if uh you know if if Winston Justice missed this guy, I got to get a good chip block on Michael Strahan. I, I saw this go down. Michael Strahan gave us or OCU Manure gave us like six and a half sacks. And now it's the running back's job to get a chip and then still get into our route out the backfield to be the quarterback's, you know, outlet. The position is valued. There, miss a block at running back and see how hot your coach is. Mm-hmm. You are extremely important. You're not hidden on the field. Mm-hmm. But it's saturated. It is saturated. I talk to little kids now. Everybody, And I'm like, yo, kid, work on your backpedal. Little fast kids that play run. Hey, make sure you're backpedaling, kid. Try that safety position out. Don't just play running back, man. You're putting well, to- a lot of eggs in a ugh, in a shaky basket. Tony, the <laughs> thing I think <laughs> the thing I think about you just you just brought up a great point. It's not even just pass protection, but it's guys like Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara that are relied on as often the number one receiving threat in the offense and the number one rusher and the number one pass protector. But I even come back to like we just got done with the NFL draft a few months ago. The positions that light up fans that sell tickets that move merchandise, et cetera, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, pass rusher. So how is one out of those four getting this marginalized? Saturation. He, I Saturation, think he, I think man. he hit it right on the head. Saturation. Like, it like it jumped out to me when I thought about it. I'm like, man, the position is valued. You have so many responsibilities as a running back. You have to be tough. You have to be fat. I mean, you have to have a rare combination, but it's not rare. It's not rare. Every I go watch, you know, football games. I went to a Silver Bowl game here in Oakland, you know, living in California now. And, uh, you know, offensive line, I, I didn't see too much. You know, it's few and far between. You don't see a lot of six, seven, 300-pound kids that can move their feet. So when you do, you pay them. But running back, they're coming. They're coming. Every class, they're coming. Guys coming out early. I remember my running back class, Brandon Jackson coming out of Nebraska early. Marshawn Lynch came out early. You had AP coming out. Uh, Garrett Wolf had rushed for like 2,000 yards as an upper. It was backs. I mean, they're everywhere. Uh, getting back to Penn State and this season ahead of us, Tony, uh, training camp uh, got underway this week. There's a lot of hype and a lot of potential around this team. We talked about what Nick Singleton and Katron Allen could possibly be in 2023. Drew Aller, a quarterback, Abdul Carter, a linebacker. There's just so much skill. I'm not sure how in tune you are with the current team, but what's your perspective on what they can be in 2023? I'll be honest with you. Like, I don't watch a lot of football these days. They don't run the football enough. I stopped watching. Like, man, if you're not running the football, I'm not watching. I'm a guy who came to games to watch running backs. I need a, I, I need a dog in the backfield. You know, I want to see 20 sweep rights, 20 toss left. I need a dude that can just boogie. He can cut it back inside. He can take it outside. If I don't see that, I'm not watching. Like even, you know, we got a two-head monster, 10 carries. As a running back, if I get 10 I didn't get going. I didn't get – I you didn't see any – I didn't get going. I'm just kind of loosening up. You know, that's not – I don't believe in that. I don't think guys can just cut it on, cut it off, sit down, come in. I don't believe in the committee. If I'm being honest, Franklin just hasn't showed me a certain commitment to play in a certain style of football where I just don't see them having much success in the Big Ten. I don't see it. The run game did improve last year, uh, Justin, and we even saw a commitment to having 
you know, two or three different backs in the backfield at the same time, the wing T, the, the full house, the diamond formations, all those different options that Penn State rolled out, which was a shocker to a lot of Penn State fans to see under Mike Yurcich, especially, who is a pass-happy guy. But at the point Tony just made, and thinking about, you know, Katron and Nick getting 10 to 15 carries a game, and that can fluctuate depending on who the hot hand is. Does that set them up for success better going to the National Football League, God willing, or does it make that leap even more difficult that, for instance, they didn't get to be the guy who was 20, 25, 30 carries a game for multiple years? I think it's a, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you talk about their your carries and the load on your body. I think from that standpoint, there's a benefit to getting to the NFL in a healthy uh, in a healthy phase, depending if you're going to be a scat back or if they're just asking you to do one one or one of the four things that a running back does. But like Tony's saying, if there's a full developed running back where you're talking about your full throttle workhorse, that's your four minute bag, your scat bag protection and all those different type of things. There's a level of development that needs to happen throughout the course of the game. That's just, again, with the saturation, people are now specializing in different type of backs. Like, okay, when you say who's your favorite running back, you go into, well, what type of back are we talking about? What type of offenses am I running, right? And, like, that's where the conversation goes. It's just, it's just not like when I was growing up, who's your favorite running back? Oh, Barry Sanders. Like, it's just like, that's what it is. Like, it's, oh, Emma Smith. Like, oh, but, like, it's now is we're breaking it down a different type of backs. And you kind of have to have that conversation because, I mean, Garrett Blunt is good in certain situations. But, I mean, if you ask offensive coordinator, I, I don't think any of them would name a top 10 draft pick. You know what I mean? So it comes down to that that target and your fit. I think that's what comes down in football is a game of matchups with it being a game of matchups. You have to like curate your personnel. And more and more guys are gravitating to wide receiver to, you know, the point that Tony has made, you know, obviously the game has moved towards a passing game, but you know, it, it, I agree with you guys on the saturation issue. It was, it was such so disappointing and, and kind of heartbreaking to see uh, Sony Michelle this week uh, announced his retirement. I think he's 28 years old and was a star at Georgia won a Super Bowl, and it's like, yeah, that's great, but to have to walk away from a game because your body is in that sort of disarray at 28 is is heartbreaking, Tony. I mean, I, I know I you mean, were coming. That game is rough. Yeah. That game is rough. I remember getting drafted to Philly, and I was a third-round draft pick. I got there, and I'm only going off of everything I've heard in the media, and it's like Brian Westbrook was in contract negotiations. They didn't want to pay him, and I just remember getting to Philly and, like, and like, wow, this man is so good. Wow. Brian Westbrook was so good, it blew my mind. I was like, why did you draft me? Why did y'all draft me here? What? Why? He is, I, I, he was amazing, you know, and still couldn't get his money. So, like, uh, and then even coming in, I was drafted in 2007. In 2005 or 2006, a kid named Ryan Motes came out of Louisiana Tech early and got drafted. So, he's still in Philly. And... He had kind of been there two years, so he was on the bubble. But him, too, I remember sitting there watching. I'm like, oh, my God, yo, this man can run. Ryan Motes ran every bit of an official 4-3. And uh, I remember one game, like maybe a three-game stretch, Westbrook got hurt, and Motes came in and rushed for like 372 yards in three games. It, he was very capable of running the football on that team, very capable of being a starting NFL back. Remember Steve Slayton? Mm, West Virginia. Wow. You know, so like that just shows you the talent we've seen over the years at the running back position, man. It's it's just it's unfortunate. So I tell kids like, 
you know, play football, but play other sports. Put together, you know, put together a nice, diverse sport profile. <laughs> you know, you have to because it's a lot of kids out here and they'll blow your mind. When you start getting outside of your neighborhood and you get out, uh, Thomas Clayton, he came out in my draft class. He's from right up the street from me. Evan Royster, I played against him in high school. We're from right up the street from each other. So, I mean, we had maybe six NFL running backs come out of our district in a two-year period. You're, never, you're not going to see that many quarterbacks come out. You're not going to see that many wideouts necessarily come out. But running back, you, you'll see it. Damn. Uh, other than baseball, what other sports would you recommend kids take up? Golf looks like it's pretty, pretty profitable. Nah. Pretty safe. tennis, golf, tennis, tennis. Tennis is a good. One. I mean, when you look back, remember Charlie Ward, Heisman quarterback. You know, Charlie Ward was in the same boat. He could be crying the biggest sob story ever, but he played twelve years in the NBA. Charlie Ward was a state champion tennis player. Charlie Ward played golf. Charlie Ward played baseball. Charlie Ward ran track. Charlie Ward did everything. So I'm just looking at these kids now like, why do you feel like you can only play one sport? I see kids now and they're like, oh, I quit baseball because I want to focus on football. How do you focus on football at 12? What does that consist of? <laughs> I'd like to see that schedule. What does that program look like? I, What are you talking about? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I think kids are... I like it. I do like the fact that you can look at sports these days and kids are developing more specialized skills where you can look at kids and they're a little more polished. You know, their form is a little, but from a heart check, our, our coaches were heart check guys. Like, Who got heart? And I don't see enough heart checks. So, you know, it's more just specializing and yeah, but I just need to see more tough, scrappy kids. Just be a tough, scrappy kid. Play everything. Compete. Justin, I think Tony needs to watch like Army Navy football games because that's where the those are the last bastions of running the ball that much. I went to an Army Navy game, not too <laughs> really? long ago. Yeah, I did. <laughs> with my it dad. <laughs> it was you. Yeah, it was Smash Mouth. I tell you that. Yes, it was. Dang, Be God. honest, you watch, watch Michigan, watch Alabama, watch Michigan, watch like Georgia. running the football is still an integral part. I mean, Penn State last year, I would say it was like, I mean, Tony was giving them a hard time with the running the ball. Like, I would agree, last year was like a flip. I think last year, like the way that they used the two backs looked more mm -hmm. comforting and of Penn State of old and committing to the run where they had some special guys toting uphill. Uh, listen, Tony, we really appreciate your time. Uh, if you do get a chance to watch a bunch of Penn State games during this season and you've got an opinion or a take on how the backs or how the team is doing all together, we would love to have you back. Uh, best of luck with coaching and getting that field good to go and uh, being a dad yes, and all sir. that stuff. And can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Oh, Thanks yeah, thank time. you. Good seeing you, Jay, baby. Always nice talking time. with you guys. Yeah, appreciate about it. about to get out here with my fungo, get to swing in this bat. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.